You know what time it is. It's time to podcast your weekly journey through the world of Yu-Gi-Oh! I'm Lance, your host and tour guide through this underworld of children's card games and plot armor, where the English dub will be smashed to pieces, overanalyzed, and mocked. Mostly from a loving place. Just a quick PSA before we get started. I'd like to make sure everyone who's listening is aware of some of the legal ways to watch Yu-Gi-Oh! online, as there are plenty at least at the time of this recording. Netflix, Hulu, and Yu-Gi-Oh!.com are all viable options. If you know of any other legal avenues, please feel free to let me know. Now, let's prepare to enter the Shadow Realm. Today, we're looking at Season 1, Episodes 19, 20, and 21, titled Double Trouble Duel, Parts 1 through 3, and we get a... recap? Weird. It only covers, like, the last few minutes of the last episode, so it's whatever, I guess. Also a little disappointed that it isn't a double feature, but rather a triple feature, because the puns would have written themselves. We pick up where we left off, with the gang in the cave where they are still trying to move the boulder, Keith ordered Bones, Zygor, and Sid, see also the band of Merry Goons, trademark, to put in front of the exit. Well, except for Taya. And Bakura? Sissy. They begin to lament the fact that they could be stuck in the cave forever, when Bakura's ring begins to glow and point to something. He follows it to a fork in the path, and he fills the rest of the gang in on his and Yugi's theory that it hones in and points to other Millennium items. At this point, we get a cutaway to Pegasus, who's sitting at his table drinking more fruit juice and watching something on his big computer screen. I have never noticed this in the almost 20 years the show has been in my life, but he's actually watching footage of the duel in this arc. You know, the one that hasn't even started yet. Pegasus gets a small glimpse of the gang in the cave and says that he loves this show, but he wants to see what's on Dungeon TV. The screen then switches to Mokuba, who is bound by chains to a wall in a barred cell. He tells himself that Seto will come for him, like he always does, as we get a flashback. Seto and Mokuba, as younger children, are standing in front of a gated house, with Seto telling his brother that it's just them now, but it will be okay. Mokuba's voiceover continues with him saying, like when he came for me the day mom and dad passed away. Oh boy. Here we go, guys. Also, just to break up the emotions with more emotions. It's important to point out that Mokuba nearly always refers to Seto as Big Brother, especially to his face, kind of like how Alphonse in Full Metal Alchemist nearly always refers to Ed as Brother. Mokuba, in the flashback, tells Seto that he's scared as we get a close-up of the brothers holding hands. Seto tells him not to worry because he promises that he'll always be there for him. This time watching it, it's really taking a toll on my emotional state. Again, I'm a big brother myself, so I relate to Seto on a lot of levels. Cutting back to current Mokuba, he says that Pegasus thinks he can take over Kaibacorp by keeping him locked away, but he doesn't know Seto like Mokuba does. He takes out a pendant that looks like a Duel Monsters card, as another flashback begins. His voiceover continues while the two brothers play chess. How when we were growing up, you never lost at anything. You'd never give up. you just keep on going till you had beaten everyone. Ah... Being orphaned most likely gave Seto an inferiority complex, which makes him compulsively want to be the best. Honestly, it makes sense, and explains why he thinks Duel Monsters is all about power. He never really had any in life. Plus, the backstory we get in Season 3. Cutting back to current Mokuba again, he calls out in his head for his brother to come rescue him while he looks at the picture of Seto in his pendant. It's followed up by an echo of young Seto promising that he will always be there for him. Oh, can we please get to the duel? I need my palate cleansed before the next few episodes. Retroactive spoiler warning. We cut back to the gang, who seem to be in a hallway? Where did the cave go? 
Tristan and Joey start complaining about how they've been walking forever. Taya mentions how the rocks in the wall now seem placed neatly and with purpose, as if the walls are man-made. Perceptive Taya is back! They round a corner and are confronted with a literal maze. Joy. Luckily, Bakura's Gadar points them in the direction of presumably Pegasus, which should be the way out. After taking off and refusing to slow down with the rest of the gang in tow, Bakura stops at an opening filled with light. Once the gang's eyes adjust, it is revealed to be a huge room with a duel arena in the center. And a voiceover begins. Prepare for rhymes. You have entered sacred ground, where only duelists can be found. Before you pass across this chamber, at this point two guys can be seen doing fairly impressive acrobatic tricks and what seems to be sparring? You must agree to face the danger. So let the contest now begin. Notify your next of kin. You're trapped and the doors are all locked. You face the brother's paradox. Okay, I'll stop quoting these clowns now. But they rhyme nearly constantly and trade off finishing each other's sentences. It's quite annoying. They confirm that they are eliminators. To escape the room and proceed to the castle, someone must defeat them in a duel. Joey immediately nominates Yugi. Classy. They then tell the gang that there's another puzzle waiting for them if the brothers should be defeated. Two doors lead out of the room. One leads to an endless maze, and one leads to the way out, and the gang will have to choose which one to take. They also indicate that one duelist could never win against them, so both Yugi and Joey will have to duel against the brothers. A tag duel! The super sexy transformation happens, and Yugi accepts the challenge for both himself and Joey. All right, you brothers paradox, me and Yugi are gonna clean your clocks. Ugh, Joey, no. Joey throws down two star chips, and Yugi wagers four for a total of six. Wow, Joey. Can't even bring yourself to call Yugi's bet. Or even see if you can split the difference and go three and three. Yugi then indicates that if they win, they'll both have enough star chips to enter the castle. I mean, I get it. Yugi has less star chips than Joey right now, but... Y'all could split the ante and the booty, right? Just before the duel starts, Taya says, It's teamwork from here on out. And Tristan adds that we'll be the team and you do the work. I don't know why I find this so funny, but it makes me snort every time. Also, I'm going to point out at this stage that the duel arena has roughly 20 more squares on it than a usual arena. The duel begins with Dox's turn and he plays Labyrinth Wall, which is a monster, but it turns the entire arena into a maze. So that's why there are more squares. It's not just a tag duel, but it's also on, like, an RPG board. We cut to the forest now, where Kaiba is still en route to the castle, taking him forever. He pulls a pendant from under his shirt, much like the one Mokuba has, except inside, naturally, is a picture of Mokuba. He then has his own momentary flashback with the voiceover, Doesn't he realize that nothing will stop me from getting him back? The he referring to Pegasus, and the him obviously referring to Mokuba. Cut back! To the duel, where Para and Docs finally explain how tag duels work, at least for this particular duel. All players start with 2,000 life points, but if one person loses all of theirs, the whole team loses the duel. Teams also alternate turn players, so Docs went first, so then Joey goes, then Para, then Yugi, and repeat. All the monsters that are summoned will act like game pieces that you can move a number of spaces up to its level, the number of stars on the card. If Joey and Yugi can get past all of their creatures, they will then have to choose one of two doors. This is the choice the brothers mentioned earlier, not a new one. Joey cuts in, telling them that it isn't fair to leave the choice completely up to chance. The brothers then agree to give them one clue. Everything one of them tells them will be true but the other will speak nothing but lies. It's also important to note that one said the first part of this clue while the other said the second part. There is a short cutaway to Pegasus here. He's still drinking his fruit juice and watching the events unfold on his big monitor. 
He says that it's just a riddle, and Yugi better figure it out. Yugi cuts in and asks, what if you're lying to me right now? Docs specifically answers with, no, I never lie. Both brothers now indicate that their door is the one that they should choose. Joey thinks he's heard this one before. It starts with a fork in the road and a traveler trying to get to the village of truth tellers. But there's a village of liars right next to it. The traveler isn't sure which way to go at the fork, so he asks a villager standing at the fork for directions. But he doesn't know in which village the guy lives. So what question should he ask the villager to end up in the village of truth tellers? Joey says the answer is to ask the guy to take him to his own village where he lives. Joey then says out loud that they need to determine which of the brothers tells the truth, and the brothers agree to answer one question from both Yugi and Joey. Joey tells them to show him which door they are guarding. It seems to work, as they both point to Dox's door. Joey believes this reveals Para to be the liar and Dox to be the truth teller. He then says that they just need to ask Dox which door leads out of here, and they're set. But Yugi isn't so sure. Joey asks for validation from Yugi, who can't give it to him. He says that there are significant differences between the riddle he mentioned and their current predicament. First, there are two people at their fork, whereas it was only one in the riddle, and both brothers told them the exact same thing, that one of them will tell only the truth and the other will only lie. But there's a problem with that, because the liar would never admit to it. Therefore, the only way they could both make the same statement is if they are both lying. This confuses Joey, and Yugi says not to worry about it, because the duel at hand is more important right now. Speaking of which, the duel officially starts, and Yugi goes first? Wait, Docs went first. And with the way Para explained it, Joey should be going now, right? Whatever. Who knows at this point? Making it up as the way go along. Yugi plays Beaver Warrior and sends it four spaces into the maze, one for each of your level points. Pretty sure there's a better way to say that. Para's turn. He merges Shadow Ghoul from his hand with the Labyrinth Wall by way of polymerization. He then commands his new Wall Shadow to attack Yugi's Beaver Warrior, destroying it and decreasing Yugi's life points to 1600. Yeah. Shenanigans. Para reveals that Wall Shadow travels along the wall, not on the floor, so it's not restricted by its level, which gives Joey creepy chin. Trademark. Also, in the real-life game, Wall Shadow is its own card and is summoned by tributing Labyrinth Wall while it's equipped with Magical Labyrinth. No Shadow Ghoul necessary. Isn't that neat? Joey's turn. He plays Axe Raider and sets a Magic or Trap face down. Since he doesn't know where the Wall Shadow is, he decides not to advance into the maze just yet. Dox's turn. He plays a monster face down in the Magic and Trap zone. We know it's a monster because he says it's Jedi Gumo and we see its picture on screen. Why is it in the magic and trap zone? He also says to himself that any monster that steps on the space with Jiragumo's mark will be met with a fatal surprise. He then plays Labyrinth Tank and moves it seven spaces into the maze. Yugi's turn. He draws and looks at Joey. Both of their eyes gleam at each other. He then plays the Celtic Guardian and sends it four spaces into the maze. Para sends Wall Shadow to attack, but Joey activates his face down. Kunai with Chain, a trap card that catches Wall Shadow and raises Celtic Guardian's attack by 500 points, making it stronger than the brother's monster. Yugi counterattacks, destroying Wall Shadow and reducing Para's life points by 300. As Joey and Yugi reiterate the stakes, we transition via the giant monitor back to Pegasus, who toasts to Yugi for winning the first round, with Joey's help, of course. There is a knock on the door behind the monitor, and Croquet steps inside. He informs Pegasus that Kaiba has been spotted on the island, but Pegasus tells him he already knew that. 
Why are you, the head of my security, always the last to learn these things? He also indicates Kaiba will come to them because they have the bait. There is another transition here back to Mokuba, who's still sitting in his cell, staring at the picture of his brother. His faith is beginning to wane as he wonders where Seto is and what could have happened to him. As he says that Seto has never failed him before, there is another flashback to a time when Mokuba was being bullied by other kids at the orphanage. One of them stole one of Mokuba's toys and wouldn't return it. Mokuba falls to his knees and begins to cry, prompting Seto to tackle the boy to regain the toy. We cut back to Mokuba now. You've always come through for me. So where are you now, Seto? Why haven't you found me? He's coming, Mokuba, just a whole on. Speaking of, we transition back to Seto now, who is still en route to the castle. Though this time, he's almost there. He reiterates his motivation for coming to the island to defeat Pegasus, citing that nothing is more important than his little brother. Yeah, that's why you left him alone with the Big Five, right? As he continues his brisk walk towards the castle, who else but Kibo calls him out from behind a tree. He charges at Kaiba, but a swift elbow to the gut followed up with a judo throw puts him temporarily out of commission. We actually get to see it, too! Yay, violence! I guess we can see it if it's a good guy beating up a bad guy. Mm. Kaiba then tells Kimo that he's coming with him to lead him to Mokuba. Cut back now to the duel. Current life point count is 2,700 to 2,600 in the brothers' favor, and it's Joey's turn. In order to bolster their attack, he plays the flame swordsman and moves it four spaces into the maze, despite its level being five. He also moves Axe Raider four spaces into the maze, consolidating their forces. Docs, for his turn, sends Labyrinth Tanks seven more spaces into the maze. The brothers then warn Yugi and Joey of Labyrinth Tanks' futuristic weaponry being too much for their archaic warriors. Shenanigans! The show really likes to test my patience. Yugi's turn. He plays the Dark Magician, of course, and advances him five spaces into the maze, putting him in front of their other monsters. Para's turn. He draws a magic card, Magical Labyrinth. According to Para, it reshapes the maze walls according to the brothers' will, which is supremely broken. The wall shift separates Yugi's monsters from Joey's, which honestly makes no sense. Because the Dark Magician was in front, and the other three monsters were all on the same space, but apparently the new walls cut right through one of the spaces. Testing my patience. Joey's turn. He commands his two monsters to proceed through the maze and prepare to regroup with Yugi's monsters. But Axe Raider steps on the space marked by Jirai Gumo. So the trap activates and the landmine spider, as Docs puts it, attacks. And in the surprise, Axe Raider apparently forgets it has an equip card, so its attack returns to normal, which means Joey loses a monster and 400 life points. Docs sends Labyrinth Tank seven more spaces forward, putting it within striking distance of Flamed Swordsman. He also plays a monster face down, without saying what it is. Yugi's turn now. He plays the magic card Mystic Box, which encases his own Dark Magician. Swords then rain down from the sky, piercing the box and seemingly destroying his own monster. Para then points out that another box has materialized around Jirai Gumo. As the first box opens back up, it is revealed that Jirai Gumo was pierced by the swords and destroyed while the Dark Magician emerges from the second box, taking the spider's place. BROKEN! In the real life game, the spirit of the card is the same, but it isn't nearly as broken. You destroy one of your opponent's monsters and give them control of one of yours in exchange. Yugi then attacks Labyrinth Tank with the Dark Magician, destroying it and reducing Dox's life points by 100. Now, we cut back to Kaiba and Kimo, 
honestly sounds like a bad sitcom, who are at an entrance to the castle. Kaiba demands he uses his security clearance to open the metal door. As Kimo puts his palm on a reader to open the door, he comments that no one takes Pegasus by surprise. In fact, he says that he probably already knows Kaiba is here, somehow. That last word comes with a flash cut of Pegasus sipping on his fruit juice while his millennium eye gleams brightly. Cut again back to Mokuba in the cage as he continues to stare at the picture of Seto. Cut one more time. I swear, testing my patience. Back to the duel and it's Para's turn. When he draws, a devilish grin creeps across his face, which worries Joey. We then see the card he drew with a voiceover from him. Sangha of the Thunder, which is one of the gods that controls thunder, water, and wind. The other two being Suijin, water, and Kazijin, wind. When they have all three of them, they can combine them to form the Gate Guardian. He then plays Sangha of the Thunder face down. But it's in attack mode. And face down. Why? And a mysterious box appears on the brother's side of the maze. For his turn, Joey sends Flame Swordsman five more spaces, hopefully, toward the end of the maze. Dox then mimics his brother by playing Suijin in face down attack mode, putting a second box on their end of the maze. At this point, Yugi comments that he can feel an ancient evil energy emanating from the boxes. Dox also flips over his face down monster, Dungeon Worm, and raises its attack power with Invigoration. It then burrows underground and emerges under the Celtic Guardian, destroying it and reducing Yugi's life points by 800. The peanut gallery in the back chime in, with Taya saying that this really isn't fair because it gives the brothers' monsters all of the advantage. Really? Really? You're just now gonna bring that kind of thing up? Not against Panic, not against Mako, but now? Yugi's turn. He plays Magical Hats, which, as we saw in the duel with Ghost Kaiba, conceals his Dark Magician and puts three extra hats on the board. The bonus perk of it in this duel is that it also conceals the Flame Swordsman in one of them. He then explains that if Dungeon Worm attacks, it could be bad for the brothers because the Dark Magician is stronger than their worm. Para's turn now. He plays Monster Tamer. Apparently, it can grant him control of Dox's Dungeon Worm during his turns and beefs it up to the point of it being stronger than the Dark Magician. However, the Dungeon Worm luckily destroys one of the two empty hats. Joey's turn. He reveals the Flame Swordsman and equips it with the magic card Salamandra, increasing its attack points to 2,500, still 300 shy of the Dungeon Worms. But he attacks anyway. Uh-huh. Bakura then cuts in, saying that the worm is weak to fire, so its attack returns to normal, meaning 2200 thanks to invigoration, during this attack. Why? That's not how that works. How does anyone play this game? I feel like it was made by grade school children. It feels like a game of cops and robbers, or when you get a group of kids playing a superhero game outside and they're just like i have the power of immortality no one can kill me that's what this feels like this drops dox's life points to 1600 and for his follow-up turn he plays kazajin the third piece of the gate guardian this time though he plays it face up as if it makes any difference at this point and the field begins to shake from the god's power and yugi claims that it's the trinity in the class of exodia Okay, but if it doesn't insta-kill, it's nowhere near Exodia, so... The brothers play the Gate Guardian, and it appears to have the strength of each of its individual pieces, meaning it isn't really one monster, but literally three monsters stacked on top of each other. Dumb. In the real game, Gate Guardian is its own monster, again, summoned by tributing each of its three pieces from your field, that being Sangha, Kazijin, and Suijin. 
and we haven't had a no one has ever done this trope in a while, but here's one. No one's ever beaten the Gate Guardian. But Joey and Yugi rally to face the Guardian head on. Cut now, back to Kaiba and Kimo, who are walking down a dark, dank hallway that looks suspiciously like the one housing Mokuba's cage. Kimo starts talking about how he's so much bigger and stronger than Kaiba, and what's stopping him from turning around and hurting him. At this point, Kaiba forcibly turns Kimo around to face him, grabs his collar, and says, Try it, and I'll drop you where you stand. Bamf, Kaiba. Heck yeah. We cut back to Mokuba now, who's reliving their time at the orphanage. He says that some parents wanted just Seto because he's a genius, but he wouldn't go with them without Mokuba. Seriously, about to start crying here. And next week's episode is probably going to be worse. His faith continues to wane little by little as he asks if Pegasus is too much for his brother to handle. He also wonders if Pegasus has already captured his brother as well. Cut back to Kaiba and Kimo, where Kimo halts in the middle of the hallway and says this is as far as they go. He then steps on a push tile in the floor, a lot like Bakura accidentally stepped on in the cave, which sets off the alarm. He tells Kaiba that he'd better hurry if he wants to find Mokuba before reinforcements arrive, and Kaiba takes off in search of his brother. Cut back to Pegasus again, where Croquet interrupts his fruit juice, drinking again, to inform him that Kaiba has been spotted in the tunnels by Kimo. Pegasus once again tells Croquet he already knew that. Croquet then begs Pegasus's pardon, and Pegasus tells him that he can beg later when he's punished. Woo! BDSM Pegasus. Honestly, I saw it coming. Even though Kaiba's presence on the island was not part of his original plan, Pegasus believes he can turn it around to his advantage and amusement. We now transition back to Mokuba, who hears Seto calling out for him from the depths of the tunnels. Hurry, Kaiba! Get your brother out of here! Rejoining the duel, holy mother of... Ah! All these cuts. Yugi uses his turn to play two magic or trap cards face down. Para then attacks Flame Swordsman with Gate Guardian with... Thunderstroke attack? But Yugi activates Mirror Force. However, as the attack is being reflected, Para activates Kazijin's effect, Squall Barricade, which simply redirects the attack, apparently at Monster Tamer, destroying it and reducing Para's life points by 900. I honestly don't even know where to start with this attack. I guess first, Thunderstroke attack? Why? Why not Thunderstrike? You could have even left it at that without the attack part. Second, Kazujin can't activate its effect in response to a trap. See also Mirror Force. Just like you can't activate Negate Attack in response to it. See the duel with Ghost Kaiba. Third, Kazujin's effect doesn't negate or redirect attacks. It just reduces the attack of an attacking monster to zero. Fourth, it redirected the attack to Monster Tamer? How? Also, in real life, Monster Tamer would have already been taken out by Mirror Force anyway, so I guess it's just a roundabout way to make Mirror Force do what it was supposed to do in the first place. But also have Gate Guardian turn out completely broken. Transition back to the dungeons, where Pegasus's goons are in search of Kaiba. Unable to find him in the veritable maze of stone, they resolve to simply stand guard by Mokuba's cell, because eventually he should turn up there. As they disperse back to their posts, Kaiba drops down from the ceiling. Where were you hiding? There can't be anything to hold on to up there. Cut again. Back to the duel now. Current life point count is 1600 and 900 to 1600 and 800 in the brother's favor. Joey is about to make his move, but Yugi tells him to pause and consider the gate guardian for a second. 
it's made up of three separate monsters and still acts as though it is three separate monsters. That may be their ticket to defeating it. Joey decides to use Flame Swordsman to attack the mid-section, which is Kazijin, if you're wondering. But Suijin, the lower section, blocks the attack. Dox cuts in and says that if you attack one section, the others will defend it. Broken. He then proceeds with his turn, which involves Suijin counterattacking by flooding the entire maze, since he attacks with water. <clears throat> I almost can't care anymore at this point. Broken. This destroys Flame Swordsman, but doesn't decrease Joey's life points. How? Yugi's turn. He plays a Magic or Trap face down and plays the Summoned Skull to finish what Joey's Flame Swordsman started. As the brothers taunt our heroes, saying the Flame Swordsman started nothing, Yugi reminds them that without his Swordsman, Gate Guardian wouldn't have flooded the field, setting the stage for Summoned Skull's attack. Yeah, remember? Summoned Skull attacks with lightning. So, Yugi attacks with his new Skull from clear across the maze, but Suijin's water trail guides the lightning to the Gate Guardian. Dox attempts to activate one of the Guardian's protection effects, but is unable to do so. Yugi then reveals that his attack earlier not only flooded the field, but triggered the trap he set in the last empty magical hat. Spellbinding circle. So the Gate Guardian is now ensnared in the circle, unable to activate its effects, and 700 attack points weaker. I think the 700 attack reduction is optional at this point, because... It wasn't even mentioned in the duel against Panic. Summon Skull's attack is successful, destroying Suijin, taking its water with it and reducing Dox's life points to 900. Para then activates Remove Trap, a magic card that does exactly what the name says. So, bye bye Spellbinding Circle. Joey's turn now. He summons the Red-Eyes Black Dragon, and Yugi activates Polymerization. How? It isn't your turn, Yugi! Joey's Red Eyes fuses with Yugi's Summoned Skull to form the Black Skull Dragon, which coincidentally is actually stronger than the Blue Eyes White Dragon, but that's neither here nor there. Yugi then says, let your labyrinth try and stop this, and the brothers begin to laugh. Apparently, yes, shenanigans, apparently the Black Skull Dragon only moves by flight. Okay. That's fine. It does have wings. I mean, it's also got two perfectly fine legs, but whatever. And the labyrinth is a no-fly zone, so their new dragon can't even enter the maze. Ah, well, crap. Dox's turn. He plays Ryoku. Ryoku in the real game. A magic card that transfers half of your opponent's life points to one of your monster's attack points. Too broken! The real card takes half of the attack points from one monster on the field and gives them to another until the end of the turn. That simple, and a lot less busted. So, Ryoku takes half of both Yugi's and Joey's life points, lowering them to 4650 respectively, and gives them to Gate Guardian as attack points, raising its two attack totals to 3000 for Sangha and 3050 for Kazajin. However, Doc says that his turn ends after the card resolves. Okay, so a little less broken, but the point swap is permanent, so still very broken. Yugi's turn again. He reveals the Dark Magician and moves him six spaces forward, placing him on the brother's side of the maze. While the brothers and Joey continue to be baffled by this decision, since Dark Magician is now within striking distance and is no longer protected, Yugi also plays Reborn the Monster. <clears throat> Before Yugi even declares which monster he's resurrecting, Para attacks the Dark Magician, saying to himself that it doesn't matter which of his monsters he brings back. On Yugi's turn? Also, whoever said he was bringing back one of his own monsters? Yugi then commands Suijin to use Tidal Shield to protect the Dark Magician. Yep, he grabs Suijin. Because why wouldn't he? It's got a built-in protection effect. Joey's turn. He draws Copycat, a monster that can copy any one card that your opponent had 
on the field. Broke. And yes, that is had. Includes the graveyard. On, currently on the field or in the graveyard. He contemplates for a second before getting a killer idea. He plays it, choosing to copy Ryoku. Half of the brothers' combined life points is taken away from them and added to Black Skull Dragon's attack. Okay, you can't move it, so why would you put it on your dragon without at least consulting Yugi, Dumbo? But Yugi tells Joey that he did a good job, so I guess it fits into the big plan he keeps mentioning but not explaining. Dox berates Joey for not using Ryoku on Suijin because he's choosing to attack the treacherous water elemental, as he puts it. Yugi activates its protection effect again, but the brothers command Gate Guardian to attack again. Broken. This destroys Suijin because it can only protect once per turn, apparently. Also slightly less broken, I guess. How busted is it that they could split its attacks? I mean, it is attacking as two separate monsters anyway right now, but still. Still, last turn they attacked the Dark Magician together. As Para begins to gloat, Yugi says that he hoped they would destroy Suijin so as to distract themselves from the Dark Magician. He then plays Monster Replace, simply called Shift in the real game, which switches the places of Black Skull Dragon and the Dark Magician. So his plan was to have Dark Magician move for their dragon since it couldn't move through the maze itself. Also, they didn't know that before they played the dragon. And what a sweet and deus ex machina e tech choice, Yugi! He then attacks Gate Guardian with Black Skull Dragon, ending the duel and giving our heroes the victory and enough star chips for both of them to enter the finals. Okay, but why didn't they activate its shields? It had two of them. Against one monster. Just as the gang begin to celebrate their victory, the brothers remind them of their second test. Yugi mutters to himself, I should have known. Yes. Yes, you should have, Yugi. You've known about this door riddle for two whole episodes now. I... Oh, I know what it was. It wasn't really the focus of the recaps, so you forgot. Dang it, four kids. Cut now back to the dungeons, where two goons are standing guard near Mokuba's cell. They are alarmingly easily physically dispatched by Seto with a couple of judo chops, and he rushes to his brother. After a touching reunion speech, Mokuba attempts to move but is caught by the chains around his ankles. Seto tells him to stay put while he gets to work picking the lock on the door. It is then that we hear Pegasus walking up. Cut back for the love of everything that is just holy and righteous. Stop cutting every 20 seconds to the gang and the brothers as they attempt to decide the outcome of the second test, the door riddle. Joey tries to weasel out of the riddle, but the brothers are having none of that. Yugi asks again which one of the brothers is guarding the way out, to which they both say their own door is the way the gang seeks. Yugi holds up two coins, each marked with one of the brothers' symbols, also aligning with the symbols on the doors. He puts one in each of his hands and says the symbol that stays hidden will be the door he has chosen. Cut again. Back to the dungeons, where Pegasus congratulates Seto on reaching his brother. He says that he knew he would come to rescue him. Seto asks if he also foresaw what he's about to do to him for hurting Mokuba, but Pegasus says he predicts Seto won't lay a finger on him. When Seto asks why that is, Pegasus only laughs as his Millennium Eye gleams sharply again. And now, back to the gang! For the last time this episode, thank God... Yugi initiates his little counter game, revealing Dox's symbol, implying that he chose Para's door. 
The brothers then reveal that Dox's door was the way out all along, but Yugi disagrees. He says that Dox's door is right only because they believe he picked Para's door, and if they had picked Dox's door, Para's would be the right one. So the answer to the riddle is that they can change at will which door is the correct one, a lot like how they changed the maze to their will in the duel. The brothers don't outright confess, but they say it's too late because Yugi chose incorrectly, but Yugi reveals the other coin which is also marked with Dox's symbol on it. He marked that coin with both Para's and Dox's symbols. Having beaten the brothers at their own game twice over, no less, the gang now head out of the room avoiding the labyrinth of nightmares and toward the castle and the finals. And now, the last cut of the episode, back to the dungeon! Seto continues to threaten Pegasus, who comes back with, Don't be ridiculous, Kaiba boy. In my dungeon, in my castle, in my realm, the only one who makes threats is me. His Millennium Eye then begins glowing very brightly, and Seto has to cover his eyes. Mokuba is heard screaming. As the light fades, Seto looks to check on his brother, who is now laying on the floor of his cage, face down. Pegasus then holds up a card with Mokuba's distraught face in the place of the card's artwork. Kaiba demands to know what he's done to Mokuba, and Pegasus tells him it's just a simple magic trick. He then explains that he has Mokuba's soul locked away in a place where the locks can't be picked. This ensures Kaiba's cooperation in his plans. He continues to say that they will duel, but only once Kaiba has earned the privilege by defeating Yugi in one. And if Seto fails to beat Yugi, Pegasus will keep Mokuba's soul forever. In this arc, the only new characters introduced were the Paradox Brothers, whom we will not be seeing again in this series, spoilers, but we did get our first tag duel, even though this isn't how they will function in later episodes, and we got some much-needed exploration into the relationship of the Kaiba Brothers, Rip Mokuba. Next week, we'll be discussing episodes 22, 23, and 24, yes, another triple feature, titled Face Off, parts 1 through 3. Ready for a rematch? Be sure to have your tissues ready! But before then, query for the week. Which BDSM daddy makes you cringe more? Kaiba or Pegasus? Let me know what you think, or if you have any other comments, questions, or concerns, please feel free to email me at itstimetopodcast at gmail.com, and follow me on Facebook at facebook.com slash itstimetopodcast, and on Twitter at itstime2podcast. If you can, please consider backing me on Patreon at patreon.com slash itstimetopodcast. It'll help me continue to bring awesome content to you guys, expand in the future, and give even more back to this wonderful community we are building. Also, don't forget to tune into the ongoing Let's Play series on YouTube. At the time of this recording, we're in the middle of Yu-Gi-Oh! Forbidden Memories for the PS1. Links available on the official Twitter and Facebook pages. But, until next time, your move.